Yesterday, um, I asked uh, Henneke and, and Ephraim to come up and uh, he, they shared at the men's. And then, um, just with such purity and sincerity, uh, he said to me, he said, so how do I get more of God? I want more of God. How, how do I go deeper? And I said to him, run with lions. Don't flap around on the ground with turkeys. And that's good advice for us all, eh? Find some lions, some people in pursuit of God, and run with lions. Amen. That was awesome, wasn't that? Eh? That was awesome. We're in a series called House of Prayer, and um, I want to stay in sequence with that because I love what God's doing. Even this morning, I think some of what we're experiencing in the increase just of the presence of God is because we're doing what he told us to do. We're committing as a church to be what he asked us to be. You see, obedience brings incredible things from the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is good. Obedience is better. Like when you ask your children, would you please tidy your bedroom? And then they walk in from the garden with a daffodil in springtime. I got you this. That's beautiful. Would you go and clean your bedroom? Sometimes with God, we offer him daffodils. When actually, when we give him obedience and say, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going I'm to love what you asked me to love. And that's what prayer is. It's remembering our key verses for this series that we're in. If you're with us today, we're in this um, long series until it's finished called House of Prayer. And the verses that we were looking at is Matthew 21, 12, where Jesus spoke of the church and said, my house, that's the church, will be a house of prayer. And we're saying, God, we want family church to be the house of prayer that you want it to be. But then also we looked at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. These are some of our key marking verses where it says, if my people humble themselves and pray, I will hear them. I will heal their land. And uh, we want to see our land healed. We want to see our nation healed. We want to see healing in people's lives. The Bible says that humbling ourselves to pray, to have good communication with God, will bring incredible things. So our hope is that what we're doing on this journey together called House of Prayer is having a positive effect on your life. It is on mine. I've seen an increase in my personal prayer life. As we've been focusing together on prayer, I felt the rewards of it, and we've only just started in my life. And that's our prayer for you, that as we're turning our focus to prayer, it's having an impact on you. I want to look today for a few moments at another key aspect of prayer, which is praying with faith. We've had some incredible messages, haven't we? I've been listening from Taunton, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Tottenham, just listening to just the different giftings God's given us, the different communicators God's given us, talking about praying in our personal prayer life, the power of praying together. Last week, Pastor Stewart speaking about the power of what happens when the church prays. I walked into our pre-service prayer this morning and there was, I mean, like if we were at eight, we were at 12 this morning. If you've not experienced pre-service prayer, you need to come along and experience it. Even if you say, I'm going to do it once before the end of the year. 
That's a healthy challenge, isn't it? Okay, I normally come to church at 10.31. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Um, why don't you, before the end of the year, I'm going to come to one pre-service prayer. Now, I'm being kind of crafty because I think if you do, you're going, you're going to want to come back. But that's okay. Now, when it comes to praying with faith, we are always to approach God and our prayer communication with him with an attitude or a posture of faith. That we don't suddenly have prayers of faith. Every prayer should be a prayer of faith. We don't have a section of prayer, faith prayers. Every, pray that we, every prayer that we pray has faith in it. Faith is a non-negotiable key component. Coming before the, the Lord with childlike trust that believes he exists and that he hears what we're asking and he's able to do what he promised he will. Having faith in prayer is not difficult, it's childlike. Not childish, childlike. Like a child who comes to his parent asking and knowing that the parent will always do good on his promise. We're to approach God in our prayers together, individually, with a confidence, number one, that God is. Otherwise, we're just praying to a ceiling, aren't we? That God hears and that God is able to do what he promised he would. So Hebrews 11, which is the great catalogue of faith, teaches us in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, that's a bit of a no-brainer, but sometimes we need to be reminded you've got to come to someone who you believe exists. Number one, you've got to come to God going, I believe you exist. Otherwise, you're praying to a wall, you're praying to a statue, you're praying to something made of wood, made in his image. Now, God wants you to come to him knowing that he exists. Because if you know he exists, you know your prayers are heard. If you know your prayers are heard, you can have the expectation of prayer answered. Now, we're called to live by faith. It says 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We're called to live a faith life, a life of childlike trust in who God is and what he's promised. A part of walking a prayer or a faith life is having faith in our communication with God. That's taking him at his word. I love that first song that we sung today. And uh, I was actually going to ask him to sing it, and I forgot, and I was so thankful that that God did the business. Because what a great song. I take you at your word. That's faith. Not, I'm going to tell you what to say, God. I take you at your word. Now, when we look at the heroes that we have in the Bible, like Abram, they're just people who heard or received a promise from God, dared to believe that God was, and that God would do good on his promise. It says of Abram, we were learning this in Forge Ministry School, that Abraham didn't do anything to deserve the promises of God. 
God didn't give him promises in the beginning of Genesis because he was a Jew, because there wasn't a Jewish nation. God selected him and made five unconditional promises, one concerning land that would always be his, independent of what anyone else says. And those promises were made, and all Abraham had to do was say, I believe you, Lord, and release childlike trust in what God had promised. And what God had promised comes to pass. We do the same as our heroes in faith when we're praying. Now, to have faith is to believe that he hears and that he will answer us. It's to have an expectation in our hearts of answered prayer. Sometimes I think it's good for us to listen to ourselves because we make these dramatic prayers. God, hear my prayer. God, will you do this? God, will you do that? And then the next moment when we're not praying, we go, well, nothing good ever happens to me. No, no, what's in your heart and what's on your mouth need to be in agreement. When you pray and you know that you've been heard by a God who is, then you change your confession to be an expectation, not doubt and unbelief. Jesus encouraged faith in prayer. He did, he encouraged it. He said, no, no, have faith. When you pray, have faith. Let me read you two verses from the Gospels. First one's in Mark 11, 24, 25. <clears throat> Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Can you see that believing of receiving happens before manifestation or actuality of possession? When you pray, pray in faith, this is Jesus, believing that you've received it and it will be yours. How do you believe what to receive? You base it on what he's promised you can. There's no question marks in my prayer life about God healing people. Because he promised he would. So when we pray, we believe we've received even before we've seen it with our eyes. And when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. There's actually two little nuggets here that are brilliant. When you pray, pray in faith, but don't pray with unforgiveness in your heart. So apparently Jesus is teaching us that unforgiveness in the heart can block effective prayer. Right? So when you pray, pray in faith, believing that you will receive the things that you're asking for. And make sure there's no unforgiveness in your heart. Now, unforgiveness will rob you. Make sure it's never in your heart. Then in Matthew 21, verses 21 to 22, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, so doubt is an enemy to your faith, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree, walked away, no immediate result. Remember the story? Jesus walked past a fig tree, really fancied a fig. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been there. Well, you really fancied a fig. <clears throat> and he walks past the fig tree and the thing's got nothing for him. So he curses the fig tree, nothing happens, fig tree looks unchanged. He returns a little while later and one of the disciples says, there's that fig tree he cursed and it's absolutely destroyed. And then it carries on. 
Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree. Now don't hate fig trees. We need fig trees, all right? Don't, don't go, I'm going to practice. Give me a fig tree. I, you know, we need figs in the world, right? But also, so fig trees are one thing, but also you can say it to mountains. Now a fig tree is a real doable, a mountain. Well, somebody must have done it because I don't know how Gibraltar got where it was. Somebody was playing around with this stuff, you know? But Jesus is saying, not just fig trees, but if you say to this mountain in your life, go throw yourself into the sea, it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So Jesus here is attaching faith, childlike trust that God is, and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's connecting that to the way we as his people are to pray. Not doubt-filled, suspicious prayers, but prayers that know the word and say, God, you've revealed your ways and your will in the word. Now I pray according to your word with confidence that I'll receive what I'm asking for. In Jesus' name. Now, Jesus rebuked lack of faith in his disciples constantly. I think if there's one continual thing you see in the three years that Jesus is walking with his disciples, because he was growing them to change the world, he wasn't having a bad day and taking it out on them. <clears throat> How many times do you read the Gospels and hear Jesus say, Oh, you a little faith? Oh, how long have I been with you? Are you still not believing? Throughout the Gospels, he's almost always saying to the disciples, because he was growing them for miracles, only believe. All things are possible if you believe. Oh, you a little faith. Oh, you a little faith. But there's an account where he actually commends a person for their faith. The funny thing is, it's not one of his disciples. <clears throat> it's a centurion soldier who wasn't a part of his dream team, yet he came requesting something of God, having a conversation with God. Remember, prayer is having a conversation with God. But he came with an attitude of knowing that Jesus could do it. To the degree that he didn't even need Jesus in the room for it to happen. Let me read this story to you. It's in Matthew 8, verse 5 to 13, if you're making notes. <clears throat> when Jesus had entered Capernaum, which was his hometown, a centurion came to him, a soldier came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed. He's suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? It's nice, isn't it? Shall I come to your house? Oh, I'm sorry about your servant. You want me to come to your house? How many of us would go, absolutely, absolutely. I'd do it just to have Jesus in my house drinking tea with me. I mean, I'd have, you know, absolutely. But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. I'm in the military. I understand authority. I understand how commands work. 
with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. His military upbringing gave him an understanding of the power of commands. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Not too many people in the Bible amaze Jesus, are there? It's not, oh, you don't read, and this one amazed him, and this one amazed him. But the centurion, acting in a military mindset of childlike belief, amazed Jesus. Isn't that incredible? When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, the disciples, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I mean, if that's going to make anyone insecure, it's going to make the disciples like, well, thank you. Thank you. We've been walking with you for two years. Thank you for looking over us when you said that. Thank you. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown aside outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping, gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done for you as you believed it would and his servant was healed that very moment was the servant with him no he was over there the centurion came to Jesus saying I know who you are speak the word release your word and your word will heal my servant Jesus didn't say bring the servant here I've got to have physical contact with him and he said, do you want me to come to your house? And the centurion said, no. He said, speak your words. So Jesus just went, healed. I see the centurion walking home going, he's healed. He's healed. Not like, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. There was no mobile phone, so he couldn't cheat. Did anything happen? I don't see the centurion going, I wonder, oh, I hope, I hope. He said, no, he's healed. The man said healed. And when he walks in, his servant's healed. And he said, what time did it happen? And they must have said, I don't know what time it was. Don't ask me everything. Uh, quarter past three. Quarter past three. That was the moment he said the word. See, the miracle was received before the manifestation was seen because of the confidence a person had in the power of the one who was speaking the word. God wants you to have confidence of faith when you pray. He wants you to be confident. Now, if you're just making up prayers, coming out of selfish desires, I don't think there is much confidence in that. But when you're praying prayers based upon his word, words that reveal his will, God wants you to have a confidence that doesn't leave you walking home wondering but saying, it's done, done. You know our story with our daughter Gabby, me and Gina. That was a five-year journey. But we knew our prayers had been prayed. Would we like things to happen quicker? Oh, absolutely. But we knew our prayers had been heard. We knew God's will for Gabby. And those were the things that were solid ground in what we walk through with her. Here's a verse on confidence. 1 John 5 verse 14. 
<clears throat> this is the confidence we have in approaching God. What's prayer? Approaching God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. But if we ask something, if we ask random things, that says, if we ask anything according to his will, how do we know the will of God? His will is revealed in his word. If we ask, not little things, God, I need a toenail healed. Anything. God, I need a cancer healed. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. Why are we sharing on this this morning? Because God wants us to have confidence not to be beggars in his presence, never arrogant because we humble ourselves and pray. We come before the Almighty when we pray. But that Almighty is also our Father in heaven that wants us to have confidence that when we pray according to his will, we may not see something immediately, but when we return a little time later, the fig tree will be withered. Come on, let faith rise in your heart today. Faith turns requesting into thanksgiving. Sometimes, unknowingly, Christians are our own worst enemies. Especially when it comes to ignorance. When you're praying for certain things and you know that you've been heard, you don't need to pray for that thing ever again. You need to thank the Lord that he's heard your prayer about that thing. A simple maneuver, but can change so much. Sometimes Christians have a need, and every morning they come before the Lord. Lord, I've got this need. Will you meet my need? Thank you. Next morning, Lord, I have a need. Will you meet? That must be so boring for God. Almost somewhat insulting, because it's almost like we're treating him like he has memory deficit. No, there needs to be a place of faith, never arrogance where we come to a moment, we're facing a situation, we know what the word of God says about that situation, we summon our courage, our confidence, we come before the Lord, I'm talking about big things, we come before the Lord and we say, Lord, your word says this is your will for this. Father, thank you for your healing, your miracle, your supernatural turnaround, amen. Please don't think me arrogant. I've shared this with people before. But I believe it's how we should live. When I pray for big things, I only ever pray once. Once. And then I move from request to thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, you've heard my prayer. Thank you, Lord, you heard my prayer. I don't know how you're doing it, but you're doing it. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's coming right now. Thank, otherwise, it's like I'm replacing the flowers on the table every day when they don't need replacing. God wants us to have confidence that he hears our prayer. 
Daniel is a good example. Daniel 10 verse 12, we won't go there, time doesn't allow. But Daniel prays and he needs a miracle. And 21 days later, 21 days it looked like nothing was happening. Suddenly the messenger of the Lord comes to Daniel and he says this, you can read it in verse 12, he said, the Lord heard you on day one. The last 21 days has been about a fight in the heavenlies, in the unseen, where God was releasing and Michael was battling on your behalf. You see, Gideon's always the messenger, Michael's always the warrior. Michael was warrior, warring against demon spirits to release on earth what you'd released in heaven when you asked 21 days ago. We need to have confidence that when we pray and we've prayed according to the word, the Father has heard our prayer. We don't go into unbelief. We don't go into arrogance. We go into thanksgiving. Oh, those last few years with Gabby, me and Gina, thank you, Lord. We don't know how, we don't know when. Thank you, Lord, you're a healer. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank. It felt ridiculous in my mind because what I was seeing with my eyes didn't bear witness to what I was saying I believed. But it's not about what I see because we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by confidence based in the word of God, not how we're feeling. You know, too many times we let our feet, you know, I think in church we should regularly say, nobody's asking you how you feel. Because <laughs> too many people, they, they, they don't get miracles because of their feelings. We're people of faith, amen. All right. <clears throat> There's a difference between the prayer of committal. Uh, Pastor Paul is going to be sharing on different types of prayer in a couple of weeks. I pray for certain things every day, but they're my prayers of committal. Every day I say, Lord, I commit this life to you. It's going to remain in the offering basket, all of it, my whole life. God, I pray for my wife. Uh, thank you for my household. I pray for my children scattered around the earth. Let your protection, let your provision be upon them. That's my prayers of committal. But prayers where I'm asking and believing the Lord for something are prayers of faith, where when I know I've been heard, I move from request. Does that make sense? I move from request to thanksgiving, and my thanksgiving is a demonstration of the faith that's in my heart. All right. Enemies of your prayer life. You've got to get the enemies away from your prayer life. The enemies of a faith-filled prayer life are doubt, unbelief, and past experience. When you hear that, oh, I doubt that could happen. God will do it for others, but not for me. God's got no favorites. He's got one superstar son called Jesus. The rest of us are all his kids. If God will do it for one, he'll do it for anyone. That's why when I need a miracle, I look for somebody that got that miracle, and I said, you did it there, you'll do it here. When we were on that journey with Gabby, I said, God, I just need to see someone that you delivered from OCD. I just need to meet a child that was totally restored. Me and Gina were traveling through Tennessee, weren't we, Gina? And we met a family, and their daughter had gone through exactly the same as what Gabby had gone through and was completely healed and restored. And me and Gina, we looked at each other, and we said, he did it once, he'll do it again. I only need to see he did it once. I only need to see he did it once. That's all I need. I only need to see he did it once. You see, you have confidence rise in your heart that pushes out doubt and unbelief and past experiences. Come on, we've got to stop being so Eeyore for those who ever saw Winnie the Pooh. 
I'm telling Christians, like, there's no faith in what they're saying. They're like, you know, great meeting. <laughs> kind of. Oh, my. Wasn't the Lord powerful today? Oh, did you see him touch those lives? Didn't touch mine. <laughs> I just say, hit them with the Holy Spirit. Hit them with lightning, God. Hit them. They're not having fun. Hit them with the Holy Spirit. Do something that just awakens faith. See, doubt and unbelief uh, and past experience are enemies to your faith. Don't have doubt. Cynicism. Sarcasm unbelief or go well I've lived for 50 years now tried this before oh so you're the experts of all things eternal are you your experience is the sole epicenter of everything possible in the universe it may not have worked before doesn't mean it won't work now Gotta keep believing, 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 gotta keep saying, You heard my prayer, God, you heard my prayer. God, you're faithful to your word. If I'm praying something ridiculous, not based on his word, I need to rely on his grace. There's no definition that it will happen. But when is his word? When is his word? Heaven and earth will pass away before the word of God is made void. God's word is more solid than the ground that's beneath your feet. We've got to put faith in his word. Let's bring this in for a landing. Let me read to you from Romans 4. This is speaking of Abraham and his faith. He had no Eeyore. Abraham wasn't walking around. Oh, my. Against all hope. All right, so it was hopeless. Against all hope. It was hopeless. He could have been... Oh, I'm old. She's old. We're old. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed on what Jesus, what God had promised in his word. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him that he would. Peter walked on the word of the word of Jesus when he said, come. He didn't get out of the boat in presumption. Jesus said, come. And that word became more firm than the ocean. Abraham believed against hope and everything began to change. Without weakening in his faith. How long does it take to have a baby? It's not a trick question. Nine months. Don't you think some stuff was going through his head, especially in the first trimester? God said it. God said it. It looked hopeless. Like, he's approaching 100, right? He may have taken multivitamins, but he's still approaching 100, right? His wife ain't far behind him, right? And she's barren. Oh, little side note, she's barren. Hopeless. Absolutely. God loves to show off in hopelessness. Loves it. Oh, anyone could do it. That's why Lazarus, he said, let him stay dead until he stinketh. King James. 
Some idiot will go, he was barely alive on a brain cell of, of, of an amoeba of life. No, dead, dead, dead. He stunk like old socks. He's dead, dead. Jesus said, this is a good time for me to show what my father can do. And so he says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts. He wasn't in denial that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He wasn't walking around in denial like, I'm not really 100, I'm not really 100, I'm 21, I'm 21, I'm 21, my wife's 21. Oh, she's as fruitful as a tomato plant. She's, oh, fruitful, she's fruitful, she's fruitful. Oh, I'm 21, I'm 21. He wasn't an idiot. He was the father of faith that had a promise from God that was completely against everything he could put hope in, but against hope, he chose to believe the promise. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Faith remains fully persuaded. It kicks Eeyore out of the room. It says, no, I will not doubt. I will not unbelief. I will not refer to my past experience. I will not go to any reference point that's not God's word. I will believe undoubtedly. I won't be moved by what I see. I'll be moved by what I believe. It's not about how I feel. It's about what God has spoken. He can move mountains. He can turn things around in a moment I'm not talking about presumption oh God, God's going to do this won't he? no no there's faith foolishness and presumption we don't want foolishness we don't want presumption we want the confidence that the word says we can have but when we approach him knowing that he is and he is the rewarder He's able to do good on his word. We walk with an expectation. To tell you the truth, you can't share it with a lot of people because they don't get it. That's why you've got to run with lions. You've got to have some lions in your pack. But when you tell them crazy things, God's spoken to you, they go, yeah, he can do that. You don't, don't, you, you, you don't run around with Eeyore. You'll both jump off of a cliff. He'll take you with him. Faith. Surround yourself with people. That, you can see in their eyes, they really don't know how God's going to do what he's promised you, but they're with you going, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. All right, let's just finish with this. Because I, I, I don't want to preach in an instant world of microwaves and instant noodles that God does this overnight every time. It was nine months for Abraham. For us, it was five years. For different people, you know, I remember a lady called Diana Payne that believed for her husband, his name was Don Payne, to get saved for how many years? 25 years. Have you met Don in the car fight? Have you met him walking around? I mean, I think he's saved, right? The guy is like full on. 25 years his wife was on her knees, standing on the promise of God, my husband will be saved. Come on, let's get faith in our prayers. You've got to pray your way through the storm. Storms aren't a problem. See, Noah didn't have a problem with the storm. He didn't have to keep his eye on the storm. He had to watch for two woodpeckers in the ark. 
Think about it. See, floods and storms really wasn't an issue to Noah. He was like, where are those woodpeckers? (laughs) Somebody keep an eye on those woodpeckers. Because if you don't know, woodpeckers can peck holes through wood. Unbelief, fear, woodpeckers. Doubt, skepticism, pass it, woodpeckers. Keep the woodpeckers in the cage. In fact, go to a forest in a random place, let them go, and don't tell them your address. Get them out of you. Get them out of you. Let your heart be filled with faith. Sometimes journeys and answers come overnight, don't they? I love those ones. It's like UPS. I love those ones when you pray and you're like, hey, Lord, I really believe this is your will for me in this situation. Father, I ask for you and I thank you that I've been heard. Amen. Knock at the door. Here's your miracle. You're like, I love that. Love that. Can't get enough of them. Love them. Love them. I I don't say take it away. I want to go through a journey that produces faith and gold and patience and endurance in me. I'm like, bring it in, put it on the table. But there are other times when you're just believing. We see the destination, he sees the journey. We see the answered prayer. He sees what he's going to do in us as we walk with him, believing in the promise with no physical evidence other than what he said. So as we continue our our journey together on being a house of prayer, when we pray and we're alone, let our prayers be filled with faith. When we pray together, I really believe that this meeting is better than what it would have been if we hadn't joined together in the pre-service and begun to declare. You should see Pastor Sean. You've got to come just to see him. He's like a lunatic. He's like declaring what's going to happen. That person's hat's going to fly off. That eye's coming. It's just, I love it. You've got to run with lions. I mean, visit Eeyore, take him some flowers or something, but don't, don't, don't hang out with Eeyore. Unless Eeyore is going to catch what you got, you know? I can remember praying earlier on in, in, in making these big statements that you used to make as a young preacher. I remember once I said, put me in a room with 20 depressed people and they'll change because of what God's put in. Next week I was in a room with 20 depressed people and I was like, oh, maybe I should be careful what I say. But I just said, all right, all right, let's do this. And I started to preach. He's God. He's able. All things are possible. By the time I left the room, they changed. With thermostats, right? We heard that over the weekend at men. We're not thermometers. We're not people that would go, well, let me tell you the current temperature of what's going on. The... Shut up. We don't need any more thermometers. We need thermostats. People would say, I'm turning this up to 42 degrees, and you're all going to suffer because I did. You're all going to get hot. That's what we've got to be, right? How do we do that? Faith. Faith. Not presumption. Faith. Not foolishness. Not stupidity. Faith. Where we get the promises of God for the situation we're facing and we say, I will not be moved until I see this come to pass. Amen. Hey, if you're here today and you've got a a sickness that the doctors said, you cannot be healed from. I want to pray for you when we've closed the service. I've got some oil here. The Bible says in James 5, that if anyone's sick, let the elders lay hands on them and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And I really felt this morning that if you've got something that the doctors said it's impossible, you'll never be, 
When we've closed to service, would you come forward? I'm only going to take about three minutes, anoint you with oil, and we're going to believe God to break that, bring a miracle to your life, turn that situation around. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, oh, come on, you're missing out. Let's just pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, my sickness, my captivity. Jesus, you're my saviour. And today I give my life to you. And I receive you as saviour. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit. And let a new life begin. Amen. Just mind every eyes closed. If you're here today and you've prayed that prayer and you want to start a journey with God, I'm going to count to three and I want you to lift your hand. Even those are our family online can go ahead and do this if you're watching online for the first time. Even on catch up, God's outside of time and space. One, two, three. God bless you. I see a hand there. That's beautiful. I see a hand over there. Isn't that incredible? I love this. Anybody else there? And you need to give your life to Jesus. We've got a couple of hands over here. That's beautiful. Thank you. I see a hand in the middle here. This is people giving their lives to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Father, I pray right now for your blessing and your goodness, your kindness upon these people. Let a new journey begin in Jesus' name. And Father, over the church, I just pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give each and every one of you great peace. Amen. Let's say goodbye to our online family. Thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week.